Welcome to the Happy Tans Podcast, where you will learn everything you need to know about running a successful sunless tanning business. We will interview some of the industry's top business owners to find out how they took a passion and turned it into a prosperous business. And here's your host, Grant Conscious. What's up, Happy Tanners? Thank you so much for joining us on episode 117 of the Happy Tans Podcast. Today's episode, we have a third-time guest, the first one in the history of the Happy Tans Podcast, Stephanie Pierce from what used to be Spray Tans by Stephanie and now is the Bronze Collective in Alexandria, Virginia. This is actually a unique episode, one that she reached out to me and said she wanted to do because she had so many people asking her questions. For those of you that don't know, Stephanie just moved into and renovated her own spot for her studio for the Bronze Collective and went through the whole process of finding a real estate agent, going through the process of finding the contractors, bidding the contractors, going through all the necessary steps to get everything permitted and all the details involved. She'll explain that in much more detail in this podcast. We probably could have gone on for hours on each individual topic, but this is kind of a high level overview, but she wanted to help out because she said, you know, there's nothing like this out there, especially for spray tan or beauty businesses in general. So she wanted to give out this information. She had to find all of it the hard way, just doing the legwork, doing the research, the the sleepless nights, staying up in bed. You know, her husband and her said that she'd be sitting there all night just researching this stuff. So she wants to share that information from you or with you. Uh, if any of you are interested in ever opening your own spot, or it could be something that you're doing right now, listen to this episode. You'll learn a ton about the process, what she went through, and how you should approach it yourself. She'll give you some tidbits and some tips on how to save money, make better deals, make sure you make the right choices, and all the things included in opening and renovating your own spot. She went through it from start to finish, took almost a year to do, but now they're open and running. So thank you so much, Stephanie and Cameron. Obviously, Cameron, her husband, helped record it. Thanks so much for doing that, Cameron. It was great. I actually was able to go and check it out go in person to our second in-person interview. I think that we've done the Happy Tans podcast, but the first one at somebody's spot, pretty cool. That was a good experience. It was great to see Stephanie again. We obviously connected in the past at Slay the Spray back in September of 2022. So thanks so much, Stephanie. Good to see you guys again as well. Thank you to all the listeners. If you have any questions, Stephanie can definitely help you out. And as always, the Happy Tans podcast is sponsored by the Happy Tans website builder, the first and the only website builder created specifically for the sunless tanning industry. Not only do we make you look good online, we actually help you be found online, which most websites don't help you with. We take care of all the SEO and everything needed, all the technical headaches that you don't want to go through, all the time that is spent building your site. We do all of that for you. Most people spend between 20 to 30 plus hours building their website. If you sign up for our done with you service, which is a one-time fee on top of our membership, we will build out the site for you. We just need you to spend a little bit of time getting us the information, basically your service information, about information, pre and post-hand care and some pictures, logo, etc., and we'll take care of the rest for you. We take care of all of it. We remove all the tech headaches for you. Stephanie has her website with us and has been reaping the benefits that are ranking highly in the D.C. area, Alexandria, uh, and Arlington, as well as D.C. as well for spray tans in her area. If you're interested, come check us out, happytans.com. Click the Create Your Website button at the top or go to happytans.com forward slash website. If you have questions, you know where to reach me, grant at happytans.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you again, Stephanie and Cameron. Have a great day and happy tanning. All right. Welcome to the Happy Tans podcast. Woo! Today's episode, we have our first three-peat guest. Uh, yeah, that's Spray right. Spray Tans by Stephanie, now known as 
the Bronze Collective. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for, for inviting me over to show me the new salon. I'm excited. <laughs> this episode is a special episode that you wanted to do for about, what, six months ago? You started telling me this, this process of moving in is super complicated and nobody talks about this. So yeah. I want to help people, you know, kind of help guide the way for people that want to eventually build out their own salon, their own spot. It's been a long progress process, but now you're here. So thank it's you for crazy. So thank you for sharing uh, the story. For those that maybe haven't heard the first episodes of you've been on before, and I'll post those below. Tell us a little bit about you and how you got into this, and then yeah. we'll jump into the the move here. This is crazy. Yeah, I think I was first on Happy Tans in 2018. Right. Was it 2017? Or 18, yeah. in your car, in yes. Hawaii. <laughs> I was a, still a teacher. I was a full-time teacher, and I did the podcast episode during my lunch break, and I only had like a 20 to 30-minute lunch break, and I was like, oh, they asked me to be on this podcast, like, and I was slammed. I would teach during the day, and I would go straight to tan. And I was like, and with the time difference, it was kind of hard oh, yeah. to match yeah. up our time. Hours, like, yeah. I'll do it over my lunch break. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go sit in my car, and I'll do this, and I look, honestly, really, at that time, I didn't even I mean I knew what I was doing I'd been in the industry for a few years but yeah. I just really started to get started in the sunless industry and I was still mobile but I had a little salon in our house too like a little studio set up in our yeah. house um yeah it was crazy it's we've come a long way and that I, I think that was 2018 it may it have been 2017 but it kind of seems like I think so it was 18 yeah. yeah yeah and then um I was there I was in Hawaii for about four years and then we moved um, to DC right when COVID hit. Yeah. That was a really interesting time, 2020. Yeah. And since then I've moved from my, I had a little salon in the back of my house. We had a little back intro. That's a big reason we picked the house we did. I was like, oh, I can tan back there. <laughs> Grew out of that very quickly. It was like a seven by seven room. Yeah. I opened a Sola salon suite that was about 150 square feet. And then a year later, we needed a second Sola suite, really bad. We needed a second room. So I ran two rooms. So that put us at about 250 square feet. And then I've hired since then five employees, one since moved away. So I have four employees plus me now. And now we're in our... 1400 square foot salon, which when I was doing my negotiations and my searching for the space and knowing that I just needed more space, I didn't know what to do. Sure. There's just nothing in the industry about how I just Googled a bunch of stuff. Like, how do I do this? What do I look for? Mm -hmm. How to design a space, how to negotiate a space? Because, you know, when you don't know what you're doing, you get scammed yeah. so easily. So there's such a need for it. So I just kind of figured it out on my own along the way, which is kind of like what I've done ev for everything in my <laughs> business. I always tell people I fly by the seat of my pants, which yeah. is very true because, but I ask my employees always joke that I don't like watch TV or really watch movies a lot. I'm researching all the time. Sure. Like I'm only on my phone at 11 o'clock. Like what should I do in my architect floor plate? You know, things <laughs> like that. And so I just honestly figured it out on my own, but there's such a need for how to do that and the steps yeah. to do that. And I've had so many, Spray tan artists ask me so many questions along the way. I'm like, you just wait. I'm going to do a podcast episode to tell you everything. But yeah, definitely our growth has been insane since moving yeah. here. And even since I did the first episode in 2017, it's just been insane since then. So yeah, and I just, I want everybody to be successful sure. with the tips to get your own space. Because I would say this is a, the goal for a lot of people, but not, not all people, but many people, this is their goal. And yeah you got to know how to do it. Yeah. And you know? I think, and I think like you, 
you know, alluded to the fact that there's no blueprint for this. There's like, none. and yeah. it's probably one of the biggest investments that yeah. people would make in yeah. their life outside yeah. of like a personal house or whatever. Yeah. So, and there's so many mis small mistakes you can make during this process that can really affect you for years and years and yeah. years that I kind of learned along the way. And from talking to other spray tan artists, things I did in my negotiation that they wish they would have done, sure. but they didn't even know they could do. And the better deal you can get, I mean, you're, I always say, I'm like, I'm the one paying the bill. Yeah. So I'm going to negotiate this until <laughs> I can't talk anymore. But I'm the one stuck with the bill, everyone. Right. Um, but yeah, I definitely have lots of, I kind of made a list on what to do when you're ready to start your first salon or sure. even just negotiating a salon suite or your first brick and mortar or just really negotiating anything. I've had a lot of hairstylists even ask me too, but obviously I'm going to gear this more towards spray tan artists. There's a lot of lot, a lot of steps along the way. <laughs> okay, so starting at the top. So yeah. when you start looking for a spot, is it like searching online, or did you find a real estate agent that specialized in commercial? I actually did both. So I have that. That's the number one thing on my list is find a commercial broker. Yeah. Or a commercial realtor. I think they're pretty hand in hand. It has to be someone in commercial. Do not get a um, residential. Don't use your friend who sells homes. Don't use your boyfriend who sells homes. Find a person that you do not know. Like, the, I, like, I just think it's better to not use a friend. Someone you don't know who works in commercial who will work with a small business. Because that's another problem I ran into is people are like, oh, you're only looking for less than 1,500 square feet. We work with you know, 3,000 and plus. Sure. So you have to find a commercial, commercial ski real estate, someone who's in that who yeah. will negotiate for you. And something a lot of spray tan artists don't realize or just business owners don't realize is that is free to you. You don't have, you don't pay them. Their fee is paid when you close the deal by the landlords. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are like, oh, I can't afford a commercial broker. Right. They're, you don't have, you don't pay them. They get paid when you close the deal, they get a commission on the close of the, the sale price or the lease price. Okay. So they're helping you along the way and whatever your deal is, I don't know what their commission, I mean, everyone has a different commission rate, but yeah, you don't, you don't pay them hourly. You don't pay them like a fee. Right. Maybe some of them have like a very small fee, but they're in it for you and they're on your side because they want to make, they want to get their commission at the Yeah, end. they got to close the deal. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I actually did find my space online though. One really good site is called LoopNet. Yep. There's a lot of really good, that's, I just happened to find this myself. Then I brought in my commercial realtor to help because a lot of landlords are not going to give you the time of day if you are not a commercial broker. Sure. If you're just the owner reaching out, they don't, they they don't have the time of day yeah. for you because they don't know if you're serious they don't, they don't serious. know what your yeah. you know your credit <clears throat> is and all that so i brought I actually found the space myself i brought her in next to view the space um but yeah either or i say find a commercial realtor and tell them exactly what you want yeah that way they're not sending you a bunch of stuff that you're not even interested in which you know you'll get that mine sent me some and immediately i was like no like i knew right away like that's not the location i want yeah I say, just be very clear. Like I want this many square feet. Yeah. I'm going to build out this many rooms. This is, these are the services I'm going to be doing in them. Just being very specific on that because then you don't want to waste anyone's time looking at spaces that you're not really that interested yeah. in. Yeah. So here's 1400 square feet, yeah. four rooms. Yeah. We have four service rooms plus a break room. Yeah. And we really probably could have even fit another room right here, but I left it open. Yeah. Um, 
open there like so we can probably move our teeth whitening out there eventually but we um it was a yoga studio before which is something else i'll talk about later on is um moving i had to open i had to change my occupancy use which was really hard in my permitting because it was wow. exercise before and now we're business use but yeah we have four rooms and plus a break room so technically five rooms plus two bathrooms and you could have another room easily yeah totally i was yeah, trying to so give people I, an idea yeah. of the space size yeah. versus the rooms yeah. and we'll get some video footage later so you can yeah. actually see and if they're following you on instagram they've probably seen it yeah. too so, so, so yeah, yeah so that's yeah. it i mean it's really hard to i think a lot of people would not know where to start so LoopNet obviously is a site that if people haven't heard of you can find all kinds of real estate based stuff on there yeah and if you find a commercial broker i'm assuming that they'll be able to put in some you know stuff and they'll send you deals all the time yeah they're triggered every time something comes and they can see things you can't see that aren't public totally yet, so. i this one i happen to be able to find i think i just got lucky to yeah. be honest but they can send you things that aren't even on the market right. yet which or they now know, they know people yeah who knows, totally yeah. word of mouth and stuff so that's why having a commercial broker is huge yeah because they have a lot of they have a yeah. leg up in that yeah and like you said you don't pay typically don't pay until yeah they, just like a, a residential yeah. they don't get paid until they sell so. and i think that's a misconception a lot of people have and a lot of spray tenors ask me too like well how much does it cost to have a realtor i'm like it's free basically <laughs> so you got to use them yeah. you know yeah for yeah. sure, for sure. So we found an agent, you found the spot. Yeah. Now, what does the process look like? You mentioned you had to change that occupancy type, which I yeah. thought of. I would never have considered that. So what's the next step after you found the spot and the real estate agent got involved? So then we, um, well, I actually looked, thought about the locations for a few months. Okay. It was kind of around the holidays last year. Okay. Uh, one thing too, I want to touch base on is be very clear on your budget mm. with your real estate agent, because with commercial, there's things called triple net. There's things called full service. Yeah. There's many added on fees involved. So a lot of, com most commercial spaces are going to be what's called a triple net. And when you look at a listing, they just, they just put in, yeah, in, yeah, in. Yeah. 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 And that means you're paying the fee, the insurance and everything the common area maintenance so basically if you're looking at a space and it says it's 40 dollars a square foot triple net it's really going to be closer to like 50 dollars a square yeah. foot because you're you're as the as the occupant you're absorbing all the other yes costs, yeah which is great for a landlord because they're hands off they're totally like, you can use the yeah. shell and whatever and happens you can find there. a space that's not triple net that's pretty nice yeah. and it's normally called full service where everything's included where i live that's very rare yeah. but if you can have find somewhere where it's all included that's really nice yeah, yeah. like but i feel like where i we're in the dc area that's like not very common but sure. a triple net is something a lot of people don't realize oh the rent is you know this much a month you know but then they're like oh but it's triple net and a lot mm -hmm. of people don't realize what that means it means you're adding you're going to be paying more than Insurance, that month. so yeah costs, and that yeah. doesn't even include your workers comp your payroll your utilities and all yeah. that so but yeah. it's good to know the difference and what the terms mean when you're looking at a space if you're looking on your own right because yeah. that can change how much you're paying right. tremendously and so you're budgeting you're looking at it from a monthly standpoint yeah okay yeah i did monthly yeah which yeah. makes sense people yeah. usually break it down yeah well, yeah I was so just curious. yeah but a lot of times they show you what it is a year and you have to do the math yeah. yourself so that confuses people yeah. a lot <laughs> yeah. i don't know why they do that but yeah they'll show you this much 
square foot slash year and just divide it by 12. Yeah, right. Yeah. So see what it is a month. Okay. So we found the spot. Yep. We're starting. You, you like it. You sit on it yeah, for a while. Yeah. Like it's actually my the... husband's first pick. It was? And it was All his right. first pick. <laughs> it was my second, probably closer to third pick. But okay. um, um, the, fir the first one I really wanted fell through was a block away. But once you pick your space, yes. well, actually, one more thing before you pick your space. If you need bathrooms, a certain amount of bathrooms, you have to make sure if you're moving into a space that was an existing business, that's going to have enough bathrooms per code. So mm -hmm. it kind of depends on your occupancy level. If you have a certain amount of people in here at one time, you may require two bathrooms. Okay. So you have to think about that in your build out too. If you have a really high volume salon and you're going to rent out a bunch of rooms to people, one bathroom may not be enough. So you have sure. to think about that in your build out. Do I have to add another bathroom per code? Yeah, Luckily, plumbing and all that yeah, stuff, yeah. And plumbing and all that and because if you have you know 30 people in your establishment at once they're going to require you to have more than one bathroom what if your space only has one at the moment sure. you're going to have to add that in okay. so that's another cost yeah. or something to look for when you are looking for a space yeah. which is a lot of and hopefully your commercial broker would advise you on these things, but it's good to, yeah. you'd hope so, but yeah. I mean, it's good to know yeah. anyway, so you can come Definitely. and present it. Even when I was going over my, talking about things with mine at the end of the process, she's yeah. like, wow, I didn't even realize that, like with the change of use and stuff. Yeah. So, cause they deal with so many different types of sure. businesses too, they're but just, yeah, you would, yes, that. a commercial broker would be beneficial in that too. <laughs> but there were still things that came up with us that I was like, oh, that's good to know. <laughs> um, so once you picked your space, yeah. the very first thing that you want to do is bring in multiple contractors to give you what they call a bid. Okay. And I would recommend at least three to five. I brought in four. Okay. One of them didn't show up. So actually, no, only being three, which would end up being fine. That is the very first thing you want to do before anything else. And this is something people don't do first. They mm -hmm. do it after they've signed the lease. They do, they do it later on down the road. No, the reason you want to do that very first, before you even put in your, what we call letter of intent, mm -hmm. it's not even like the lease yet. You're just saying, hey, I'm interested in this space. Yeah. Here's what I'm offering, blah, blah, blah. Have contractors come into your space and you need to know every single thing you want done to that space. Mm -hmm. And think about it for a very long, as much as you can before that, because that's sure. a mistake I made is, I was like, okay, I kind of want this and I'll do this lighting and I need some rooms here. And then after the negotiations took several months, I ended up adding several things I wanted and that made my cost higher. And that would have benefited me more in the beginning with my negotiations. Probably caused some delays as well. As yeah, well. caused yeah. some delays and it just cost me money, which yeah. is not fun. But um, bring several contractors in to give you a bid and show them everything you want done. They'll draw up a bid to say, hey, this is gonna cost you X amount of money and every contractor's amount is gonna be so different. Yes. Even though it's the same amount of work, <laughs> it's gonna be so different yeah, be. for yeah. that. And make sure you are looking over your electrical and all of that, make sure your space can, can accommodate the amount of electrical stuff that you need going. Because in spray tan, we have these extraction units, we have these machines all oh, going yeah. at once. That was a very big issue for us. It still actually is right now. Um, but you need to make sure that you, I would even bring in an actual electrician, not sure. just a general contractor to look at your electricity, to know that, hey, this this box, this amount is gonna work for you or no, you're gonna need to upgrade your panel because you're putting in all these extraction units, which actually don't really pull that much energy. But if you're running six spray tan rooms at one time, yeah. You need to make sure you that you're not going to yeah, yeah. <laughs> blow out the power and sure. then we're doing spray tans. 
And plus, a lot of people are like renting out rooms to other beauty professionals like hair and then running blow dryers and all that. So I wouldn't even bring an electrician. Personally, I wish I would have done that in the beginning. I just brought in a general contractor and they generally know the window. But um, and then they sub they do. They have people that do all the work. Subcontract, which is a whole nother issue. (laughs) But um, so, yeah, I would bring them in, get a bid call on multiple contractors mm-hmm. another issue you may run into is a lot of contractors require a minimum so make sure they'll they will also work with a small business too okay. that's another issue we run into with our realtor so with the contractors they're like we require a three hundred thousand dollar minimum or whatever yeah so it's wow. hard to find someone who would work on a little bit smaller scale and how'd you find the contractors google i googled i found all of ours on google and i read the reviews definitely read reviews and make sure they're like real reviews i would even ask for references yeah, i didn't 100%. do that i should have done that um which my husband and i watched the show hgtv homes <laughs> make it what is it called homes makes it right and he always says get real references from people i didn't do that yeah, but honestly yeah, mine ended up being okay but anyways get bids the reason you want to bid very first is because then when you tell this landlord through your broker you're communicating this through your broker hey, this is everything I want done to this space. I want your space, but I'm making it into a spray tan salon. It's going to cost me X amount of money. And here is the full, con- I, had already have a, I already had a contractor come in and he said, this is what it's going to cost. And that number one shows that you're serious yeah. and it shows that you're ready to negotiate and it gives you more leeway to get what's called tenant improvement allowance or tenant allowance which a lot of people do not realize you can get and after talking to a lot of spray tan artists through the last several months a lot of even my friends in the industry didn't do that because they didn't know so you the bill that's going to cost you this much you're putting in an offer it's called a letter of intent basically saying hey i'm interested in your space right um, this is the square footage they're asking this is what I'm willing to pay. This is the amount it's going to cost me to do renovations to your space to make it up to par for my business. And then you're going to ask for what's called tenant improvement allowance, TIA or TA. A lot of people call it tenant allowance. And what tenant allowance is, is that is your landlord giving you money. To improve their space. Yeah, they're literally giving you money towards build out. You should not pay for all of that on your own at sure. all. Don't ever do that. If they're not offering you any type of allowance, then you should look elsewhere okay. because you're going to be in this space for several years. You're improving the space. You're making it newer. I mean, we completely renovated ours. So it that's, that's the benefit for the owner of the building is you're improving. Exactly. Okay. Like I haven't put in new exterior doors. I'm making this space. I'm bringing business into here. Yeah. You are and I mean, you're paying rent when obviously no one else is paying rent. Sure, sure. So that's going to help you negotiate. Hey, how much will you give me? This is my bill. It's going to cost this much. How much will you give me towards that? Okay. Um, so, and if they say we're not giving you any, I say, okay, next, then next. Sure. Because that's all your money you're putting into someone else's space. And this is more so if you're leasing. If you're buying, that would be a little different. Because yeah, you're going to own the bill. Yeah, we have a multi-use building here. So I just lease the space, which is mo- what most people would do. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. buying would be a little different. But that is the benefit of leasing is you can get money for the improvements you're the build out you're doing. Whether Whether even if you need to put in new floors or if you need to put in a sink, or if you need to build a room or whatever, you should definitely negotiate getting that so paid for. for the TA, did the owner tell you a set amount or was it like a percentage? Yeah, of good question. 
most of the time they're going to give you a certain amount per square foot. Okay. So they'll say, we'll give you up to $20 per square foot in your studio. So whatever the math on that is, $20. Our mine's $1,400 or up to $10 per square foot. And then you just pay the difference. Yeah. And you, so that can be done several ways. Sometimes you have to pay for it upfront. In my case, I had to pay for my build out upfront. Mm -hmm. Then you provide all this um, documentation to get reimbursed at the end. Sometimes landlords will, you know, if your build out costs 30, 40, $50,000, they'll take that full amount, divide it by your months of your lease and Mm -hmm. take it off your rent each month. Sometimes they'll give it to you upfront to use. I don't hear about that as much. Um, There's many ways that they do it to where they will reimburse you. My landlords reimburse me at the end of the process. I had to send them a lot of documentation, but I know a lot of my friends in the tanning industry, their landlord took it off their rent each month until okay. it was gone. Oh, okay. Yeah. Either so, way it works. I guess yeah, it's just whatever works for you. Yeah. But you do have to be prepared to pay it up front and your broker will ask you that and you will have to send your entire identity and how much money you make in bank statements showing that you can afford to do that yeah. build out yeah. because the landlord is not going to want to rent to you if you don't have good credit. Yeah. So that's a really important sure. part. If you don't have good credit, they may make you do other, you know, they may give you a higher rent price. I don't know about yeah. that, but. Um, and I'm so, assuming it varies on the build out basis. Somebody gets a loan to build it out or if they have yeah, the actual cash yeah. on hand. That was a question out. I got from Spraytown yeah. Artists is, hey, did you take out a loan? Absolutely. If you need to take out a loan, you know, if that I personally didn't, and I'm very grateful for that. But I also started my negotiations when loan percentages were astronomical. (laughs) So it was like not beneficial to me, but if you have to take out a small business loan or something, even for some of it, and that's something your broker will ask you. They'll say, how do you plan to pay for this build out? Do you have, you know, um, a loan? Do you have enough credit to be able to get a loan? Do you have a plan for this? They're going to want to know your plan. Yeah. And it's similar to if if anybody's ever purchased residential real estate yes. you got to be pre if you're pre-approved yeah. it's like we can yeah. get it going quick so yeah. you got to get that yeah process. exactly yeah. and they want to know and your brokers like Give they the don't want to waste anyone's time yeah exactly okay so now you've got the ta so they're going to help pay for some yeah. of that yep. you've got some bids out yeah you get those bids back yeah and then you yeah. basically go through the process yeah. of figuring out who's the right person yeah so then you can pick your contractor based off however you want i went with the least expensive i don't know if everybody does that maybe they go with the middle i went with the least expensive um and then you then once you put in your letter of intent once you agree on your letter of intent and that's just like a one-page document saying hey this is what the rent price is this is the terms mm-hmm. how long you want to rent for um th- these are the basic terms once you agree on that which that takes like five months, four or five months sometimes, because you're going through a broker, your broker's talking to their broker, the broker's talking to the landlord. And it takes weeks to get any deal back because I would never, ever, ever recommend um, approving the very first offer they give you. Absolutely not. You're the one paying the bill every month. You, they want someone paying rent in their space. So if you take the very first deal they give you, no way. You can negotiate. I'm a queen negotiator. (laughs) So it's one of those things where, you know, they say like, don't get uh, like, don't like get in love with the thought of whatever the thing is, right? So don't get in love with the space. Make sure you say, you stand up for yourself first. Very true. Like people can read it. Like you're you're not going to back down unless you want the space too much. Yeah, definitely. It's true because the landlord's going to be doing things in their favor. They're doing in what's best interest for them. You need to 
do what's best interest for you. And that's what your broker should be helping you. And your broker should do market research to know if you're getting a fair deal or not. Sure. Mine definitely did that. Cause I had no idea what to compare it to. I was sure. like, I don't know. I'm just in a soulless feed. <laughs> yeah, so they'll do market good. research and all that. So they came back and said, you should negotiate. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, and with the market, I was like, Hey, I'm going to keep asking for this and this and this. So like 10 allowance, we asked for a little bit more. Um, and then you can also negotiate rent abatement. And what that means is you get, you know, rent abatement means you're basically getting free rent. So that can either be for how your build out, whether because build outs take a long time. Um, hey, I want free rent for this many months because my contractor says my build out's going to take four months to do. I don't want to start paying rent until after that's done mm -hmm. because it's going to, you know, I shouldn't have to pay rent when I'm not, not even moved it, in. Yeah. Then you're going to get stuck with double rent if you're currently in a smaller yeah, space. So to. rent abatement <laughs> is something a lot of spray tenders have like, I never even knew that I could do that. And yeah. that is huge. And the number, a huge, huge, huge tip is do not negotiate rent. In your negotiations, make sure you do rent abatement, that your rent abatement begins when you are open for business. Oh, okay. So what that means is a lot of landlords will say, hey, I'll give you six months free rent because it's going to take you like six months to build out. No, I want my six months to start when I'm open for business, okay. not during my build out. And that way you can get your things ready. You can save up some money on rent and then you start paying rent. Or I want, a, I've heard of people offering like, well, we can <laughs> man down, man down. <laughs> I'll give you half off rent for the first four months when you move sure. in. Like I'll give you this month mini rent. And then when, when you're open for business, you get half off for the first three months. Then you have to start paying full amount. Whatever it is, you should negotiate something. Yeah. And an ideal situation yeah. would be at least not to start until you're open because it's useless until, yeah. Which I know a lot of people have said, I didn't even know I could do that. So but yeah. Rent, yeah. Like, uh, otherwise, put yourself in otherwise your build out's going to take longer than you think. So right. you're going to get stuck paying double rent right. some months at least. So you should negotiate it to where when you are open for business. I think the verbiage in mind is one, when the earlier of the two, either this month, I think it was October of 2022, which didn't happen for us, or open for business. Mm. The earlier of or the later of or something like that okay. is the verbiage in mind. So whatever happens first or second, whatever the verbiage is, that's when it starts. So okay. we, I think we expected to be open late October. We didn't open until December, not too far off, but it's pretty common. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. And I even added on like three months and that's why I thought October. Okay. So it even took longer than that. Wow. Okay. Um, and then once you have agreed on your letter of intent, okay, and that's just a one page document that says your rent price, how much free rent we're going to give you, and we're going to give you this much towards your build out your mm -hmm. 10 allowance. Then once you agree on that, now they drop a full page, a full, very, very long document for you, your full lease, which is typically 50 up to a hundred pages long. Jeez. Okay. And I'm telling you right now, <laughs> find in your area, a commercial a lease review attorney. Okay. That is the best, some of the best money I spent during this sure. process. Do not read over that thing yourself. Don't send it to your friend who's a lawyer. Hire someone, like I said, I'm, I'm all about hiring someone I don't know. Yeah, that makes Because sense. sometimes a friend, they may be doing you a solid, but just pay the money because it'll benefit you in the long run. This is a lawyer who specializes in reading over the lease 
and they're gonna highlight everything in that. Who has time to read 50 pages? Yeah, like I think mine was 60 that. something. <laughs> and he even my attorney was like, this is actually not that bad. I've read a hundred, hundred fifty page leases before, and there's tons of verbiage in there. You are not gonna know what it means, and the attorney will, because sure, that's what they sure. specialize in. Yeah. So they'll go through and they'll highlight all these things, and then they'll send it back to the broker and they'll say, Hey, no. This is not fair for my client. This is not fair. We'll agree to this and we'll agree to this. Things, things like insurance for something we changed. They were having me have some astronomical insurance for my place that an insurance broker said that that's what like Walmart insurance, like a, a Walmart building should have, not like a 1400 square sure. foot space. Um, things like, there were several things that in the commercial that the commercial attorney did and he was like this is kind of you know you we should change this up and basically he would change it up send it to their attorney and then that goes back and forth so that took a, probably two to three months just to go back and forth with the attorneys but that saves you a lot of time and a lot of confusion because there's so much verbiage in there that you won't understand and then the commercial attorney will help uh, change the verbiage in the lease to benefit you because it's going to be very, very in favor of the landlord. Sure, and it, and ours still is, but it's not as bad, yeah, you know? Right, right. But that's kind of a thing my, even my attorney said is you're going, this the, the lease is going to be in favor of them 100%, but we need to definitely change some things. Uh, one thing he definitely uh, helped fight, I guess, fight for me for was in my lease, it said I could not rent a room to another person. And I wanted to be able to potentially rent out one room to another beauty professional to help offset the cost. My lease said I could not do that. So he kind of like went back and forth with them on that, ended up coming to a deal to where now I can, if I want to, things like that. Those okay. are things you definitely want to look have yeah. some hire somebody to read over it that makes sense yeah, yeah. otherwise you just glaze right over it and yeah sign it off. and they can do it in like a few hours most of those attorneys charge by the hour sure. i think mine did it he went over it in like three or four hours and then he'll send it back to you and highlight certain things yeah because there's no way i would have time to read right. over that document myself it makes sense to pay the specialist oh my sense. god yeah <laughs> that's worth every penny yeah so then once you agree on that okay my attorney this is him okay and theirs would come back with some crazy things and even <laughs> and even sometimes my attorney would be like i don't understand why they're not approving this then i think one time they got on a phone call together and it was we came to an agreement sure. okay so then you come to an agreement on your terms and make sure before you docu sign anything online that the terms are what you agreed on because even mine when we got to the very end i'm ready to pay my deposit they had like my rent abatement wrong and i was like no I want this. This is like free months for yeah. me. And, and I was like, I'm not signing this. You need to fix this. Whoever's that. So you make sure just read anything before you yeah, sign it. For sure. So then you get to the end and then you agree. Thing finally. <laughs> um, then you sign the lease and then you typically have to pay like a deposit and first month's rent, maybe even first and last month's rent, kind of like renting a house. Yeah, sure. Same thing. So be prepared to be able to pay that up front because that can be a large cost That's as cool. well and then you get your keys and then, the and then, then, then the, that was the easy part yeah <laughs> so 
then you get your keys to the place then you can start your permit process which you can either pay someone to do that they're called like permit expediters a lot of people specialize in that if you have the funds to do that that well, that would be amazing yeah. i actually did hire someone to do mine i fired them three weeks in <laughs> and i was uh luckily able to get a refund for that and i did all the permitting myself so um yeah i did all of it myself i gained a great relationship with many people at the city a lot of them just felt bad for me, honestly. <laughs> I cried a few times on the phone with them. On, sure. I think they, they started to get to know me, which did help a lot. Yeah, yeah. But the permit process is very hard. Um, and the permit is changing the type of business. Change, not just doing any type of building in your uh, space, okay. not even that. Okay. That's a whole nother. That's okay. actually at the very end to change your occupancy. But doing any type of construction, you have to get a permit, permit for. Everything, okay. So um, then... I, I would definitely recommend if you do have to do any type of permitting, get a good team from the beginning that can do that for you. I mm -hmm. kind of had to figure it out along the way that, yeah. oh, I'm gonna need, now I'm gonna need an engineer and not just an architect. I thought I would just need an architect in the beginning. I also need an engineer because I was changing the use of my space. So basically if you can find someone that does all in one for small businesses, architect and an engineering team that would benefit you a lot they can put all of your plans together i actually meant to set my plans out so people could see it's like many many pages of plans but you're going to need like an electrical engineer if you're yeah. doing any type of electrical which most of the time you are with a tanning any type of beauty business yeah. you're going to need electrical right. mechanical which means your air condition unit and your airflow which was yeah. an issue for us as well and you're going to need an architect a certified architect because those plans have to be stamped not just a joe schmo drawing up something it has to be a certified architect that's going to come in and measure out your rooms and tell you this has to be fit and this has to be here up to code and you have to make sure that your exit is you know, a certain distance, you know, if your building is a certain size, you have to have multiple exits. We were just under, just like 10 to 20 feet below what we needed to have another exit. So we only have one right now. So we were like almost at the cutoff <laughs> and things like that. An engineering team can help you with, and they are, the city has people that will literally look over these plans and they will comment back on all kinds of things wow. that you've never even thought of yeah. for us a big thing was our airflow our airflow because we this was an open floor plan it was a yoga studio before we had to actually build rooms mm -hmm. they would not accept um we basically had to put in a ventilation in our ceiling in order to pass code now we do have the spray guns which a lot of spray tanners i know watching this also have one they would the city would not accept that as airflow um to pass code because uh -huh. it does not filter outside air okay. it only filters into the spray gun and then you wash them out at night they wouldn't accept that as um, proper sense. ventilation for our space even though the spray guns are so powerful right. um, ours filter the room every three seconds it depends on your room size but according to our room size our spray guns filter the room every three seconds which we had on our floor plan with the city we even send them photos of what it was because tanning is very new to yeah, still a lot of people. They don't know what it is. They don't know what it is, especially these typically people at the city, <laughs> older people. Sometimes right. you don't have to like stereotype, <laughs> but um, they don't know what yeah. uh, they're like. What is this on this floor plan? You know, and so we sent them photos. We sent them the specs. They they didn't accept that. So we had to install an exhaust in our ceiling, mm. which I'm actually really glad we did. It's it's helped a lot already to where it's going to 
take the air outside through the roof. So um, with that, my engineering team was able to work with the city to come to an agreement on what type of exhaust was put in. It's called CFM, basically how powerful it is. And they also were able to use my windows. I have a lot of windows in the unit in, in the space. They were able to use that as part of my airflow. If we open the windows, then we get better airflow. But we didn't do our ceiling, our walls all the way up. So that was a big thing. If you're in your build out and you want to do your walls all the way up, you have to think about your HVAC. You may have to do a lot of changes to your HVAC and your fire system. And that can be, be very costly yeah. where you can get the same great effect. Even the fire marshal, my very last inspection, the fire marshal came in. He goes, that's actually a very good idea that you did that because you would have had to make major changes to your fire system. And that is very costly. Oh, wow. Maybe Jeez. your landlord will pay for that if you negotiate yeah. it. But I did not negotiate that in the beginning because I didn't know. Yeah, so I did sure. my walls almost all the way to the ceiling, okay. um, which I'm glad we did. Um, because it just saves on time as well. And you can do them almost all the way up to where yeah. you can't even tell. Ours are like, we have like a two foot gap, but I know um, other people have done theirs like one foot up right. from the ceiling. So he's saying the fire marshal said they're all the way up would be different. Yeah. Because those rooms are enclosed. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Because then you have to think about people who are um, handicapped or yeah. deaf or blind. If you have the ceilings all the way up, they can't see an emergency light. You know, if they're deaf, sure. they're not going to hear the fire yeah. alarm. Yeah. So then you have to change where your fire alarm is placed. Then you have to have sprinklers in. And because our ceilings don't go all the way, our walls don't go all the way to the ceiling, we were able to keep our fire system as is. Okay. So, yeah, <laughs> lots. I don't even know how much that costs. I don't really want to know. Yeah. It's probably a lot of money. <laughs> and then we would have to move our air conditioning system and make it even bigger, more powerful too. Jeez. Because um, the, yeah. And, I didn't negotiate that in the beginning because I didn't think about it. Yeah. So I was like, nope, we're just going to do the walls eight feet. Right. So, that's so why we're that's doing this so people can learn from you. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, glad. If the fire marshal was very, in my very last inspection, I was like, I really appreciate that comment. Yeah. He was, like, he was like, I'm just letting you know that was actually really smart because <laughs> it would cost you a lot of money. You'd have to change your fire sure. system. I'm like, I know. I realize that now. Thank <laughs> you. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, then you, um, in the permit process, just get a good team from the beginning, you know, a good engineer and architect from the beginning. That way they know what they're doing and they know like how many outlets are needed per every square feet in your space. If the outlets are gonna pass code, we had a big issue with our electrical box, whether it was gonna pass code. And I got a second opinion on everything with my, uh, with my own contractors because I didn't I wanted to make sure they were telling giving me truthful yeah, answers sure. and that actually saved me a lot of money just getting second opinions from people because I think contractors I mean just being honest being a female in a beauty industry sometimes contractors want to charge you double what it mm -hmm. probably what sure. they would probably charge someone else so I actually saved like a lot of money doing uh, my research on several things they said I would need it need to pass code and I really didn't. Okay. So yeah. I've saved a lot a, a lot of money there. Yeah. Yeah, man. Just so, by making a few phone calls, honestly. And I wonder if some of it could be difference of opinion based on that. I don't know. I mean whatever the contract totally. is, who knows? And they're working in different cities oh, and yeah. every city has has a different law, but like uh, the electrical thing, 
I think they were just trying to get some okay. extra money. So they said me. you needed more. They said I needed to change out my box. Okay, which and I made several process. calls, yeah. and I they were going to charge me like six grand yeah, to do that. So that yeah. saved me six thousand dollars. Didn't have to change it out. <laughs> There's some plumbing. They said wouldn't pass code. Um, and when it's and I basically opted to just risk it. Um, mm -hmm. I made a few phone calls. I'm just going to risk it. Our inspector didn't even look at wow. it at all. Um, and it's working just fine, but that's, you know, kind of a risk I took because, sure. but the, definitely the, anything electrical, I made calls. I called people from the city. I called the people who would know the answer. And I was just very nice to every person I talked to. I said, Hey, I really need your help. Yeah. I want to make sure I'm getting a truthful answer from yeah. these people. Cause you never know. People will charge you. Hey, you, you have to do this and this, and you probably really don't really need to do yeah. that. Or maybe you do. And then right. you get to the end process and they're like, no, this isn't a pass code. Right. But your general contractor should know what passes code, but it is different, yeah. you know. Double, double check for yourself. Can't yeah, hurt, right? Totally. Can't hurt. Dang it, I talk a lot. <laughs> so should we stop? It's up to Grant. Thank you, bro. I'm almost done. Let me find my spot on my phone. One <laughs> more. I have a lot of tips to give, babe. We can break it up. Yeah, so you better work. Ten dollars. I'm actually almost done. This can take many months. Okay. Yeah, I'm actually pretty much. I'm. I'm pretty much at the end. But, but there was something you brought up, and I was like, oh yeah, I should talk about that. But now I don't remember what it is. Something about. I got here. Yeah, what just like a few minutes ago, I was like, dang, that's a good thing to bring up. Anyways, okay, are we back on? Okay, <laughs> so then once your permit, so, and also too, a word of advice, you're never going to get your permits approved the first time. So you'll send all these plans, they will comment on something. It's very rare that you would probably get your sure. plans approved in one time. Ours took back and forth a total of four times to get approved. And with my city, that took about three months, and that's actually very quick. And your nope. plans are everything involved in the whole process. Everything, the architect plans and the mechanical plans showing wow. this is where your HVAC is. This is how much, you know, the exhaust is. Then you have your electrical plans and they show every little outlet and where an outlet is going. They show the specs of your electrical box because they want to know that your new business is going to be able to handle that box is going to be able to handle the yeah. amount of power because that's obviously really important. Yeah. And the electrical plans we had to send back twice. They commented on a few things back and forth. And the mechanical plan we only had to send back once. And the architect plan got approved first try. That's typically a little bit more basic one, sure. but it was the electrical that's pretty in depth when you're kind of changing the use of your space. Of course, yeah. So then once your permits are done, which is like have a alcoholic beverage at that time because it's a really hard process especially if you're doing it yourself yeah. like me but um like I said it kind of did benefit me a little bit because then when the inspectors came in I would be like oh yeah well we worked with so-and-so so-and-so so they're like oh okay well let me call them up and they already knew who I was exactly. they're like oh it's Stephanie over at <laughs> la la I'm like yes me help me like and so different things come up with inspections the inspectors will come in um, and so, so then your permits are approved. So then you start your build, your build out, then your contractors will say, okay, we're, we can start building. We are, we have the go from the city. Now you can only do certain things in phases. You can't do your full build out. The inspector, you have to do 
you have to put up your studs, you have to put up your walls, then they have to come in and check that. Then they give you the go to go to the next step. So you have to do that in phases too, depending on what work you're doing. You can't just do your build out. Then you're like, okay, we're done. Come check it. They check it in phases. Sure. So then you have to rely on the inspectors to show up. And like, even some of my girlfriends have said, we've scheduled inspections and the inspectors don't show up and you can't move forward until they show up. And once all that's done and your build out is done, your space is done, then you have to do final inspections. You have to do it all over again. And for us, we had five inspections in one day. I scheduled all of them in one day. And I met the inspector out the door and I said, hey, I'm Stephanie. Thank you so much for your time. Like I said, po- start off on a positive yeah, note because <laughs> even the uh, one of them at the end said, "Hey, you're you're you were very nice in the whole process. Like there are even a couple things that probably fully didn't pass, but I kind of was like, no, I worked with so and so electrical. Like my exit sign, they said it was misplaced a little bit. Sure. Um, my doors quite weren't quite ADA accessible by like seven eighths of an inch." Um, but I'm in a historic building, so a wheelchair can't get up here anyway. Oh. That's actually what I was thinking of earlier is you have to make sure that everything you're doing in your bill out is ADA accessible Americans with disabilities act yeah. that it's accessible for not just wheelchairs, but, um, people who are handicapped, blind, deaf, you have to make sure your building is uh, meeting the needs of people with disabilities or they will not pass you because right. you have to think about people who can't hear the fire alarm nor see the fire alarm sure. braille and all that yeah. my building's historical so we don't have an elevator or on the second floor unit so i had to get a whole nother um sheet notarized i had to go get it notarized i had to break down the cost from my contractor saying i'm allotting 20 percent of my entire build out towards making my space ada accessible and because i don't have wheelchair accessible i had to think of other things i just googled it honestly and like one thing was, is I put in the allotment how much my floors were going to cost me to put in mm-hmm. and how much they cost. And I said, my floors were flat. So a wheelchair can easily be accessible on here. My doorways are ADA accessible width. Um, a wheelchair can fit through. Mm-hmm. Um, there is handicap rails in the bathrooms. My uh, Your architect will do a plan to make sure a wheelchair can spin yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one thing my inspectors did point out is my toilet you know where you push to flush the toilet has to be on a certain side in your bathroom in order for it to be wheelchair accessible mine were not but i was able to pull up the sheet i had done many months prior showing well actually my building is only partially accessible and i did have this notarized here you are and they let that slide but that is something they may maybe wouldn't but i think yeah me neither and even my contractor told them like, well, it's actually really hard to find the handle on the other side of the toilet. Those are on back order for like six months. So that's something I think about too, is it has to be on a certain side where a wheelchair person can, wheelchair, person in a wheelchair can flush. Yeah, it has to be on the side, I think away from the wall, but I don't quote me on that. I'm not really sure. But yeah. there, that was an issue they brought up in both of my bathrooms. Um, so yeah, you have to make sure that everything's accessible. So don't make a doorway very narrow because a wheelchair cannot fit through that, yeah. which your contractor should, should know that, yeah. <laughs> but you never know who's in here doing your work when you're not here. Yeah. So yeah, so that's a big thing that, uh, yeah, I brought up and actually Emily at Bronze Palms, yeah. we talked a lot about that too, because she was like, make sure all your furniture is ADA accessible too, because they're going to ask about that. And 
Um, so yeah, things like that. Yeah. ADA accessibility is very big because you can definitely get sued for that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If you're not, you know, adhering to people's needs. Um, and that's where the fire comes in too, because if deaf people can't hear the fire alarm and you'd be able to see it flashing. flashing yeah. So if you're building walls, we had to change the place. We had to put in um, emergency lighting in several places and they allowed us to do that instead of changing our fire. That way, if a deaf person's in here, since we built up walls, they can see if there's an emergency versus uh, with the flashing lights. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so they can just look yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's called a battery powered lighting. That way, if your power goes out, those actually turn sure. on. And the inspectors did make us test that. So we had to turn off all of our power to show that it was working. Wow. And it did, thankfully. So yeah. So then once your permits, you know, once your final inspections are done, then you have to get your certificate of occupancy, which is <laughs> the very last thing. And mine was really hard because I changed the use of my business. Mine was A use, we were now B use. A use is like exercise. A use is like the hardest um, to get because it's people with many, many, many people and like restaurants and stuff yeah, like that, sure. that have a lot of occupancy. Because my occupancy was less, it actually benefited me a little bit because it wasn't as, um, I didn't have to change as many things because my occupancy was less, so it wasn't as hazardous. Okay. A is typically the hardest, B is a little bit easier, so I'm technically B now. Um, so I had to change the use of my occupancy, which made things a little bit more difficult. But regardless, you do have to get a certificate of occupancy at the very end, basically saying, okay, I passed all my permits and now I can hope have, I can actually operate for business and there's a business actually taking place in here. Then you have to do a, a few other permits for that. They had, they made sure it had a handicap access, a handicap sign next to my bathroom door. It have to have braille on it. Mm -hmm. um, they have to make sure that your address is outside of your door. They have to make sure your sign outside is covered. I had to add the city to my insurance policy before they approved me for that. And I, nobody told me that in the six <laughs> months I was doing permits. And they're like, we're not approving you because we don't see, you need to send us a proof that we're insured for your three foot sign. It's not even a big sign. Yeah. If it falls on someone's head, oh, saying the city is covered by your insurance. So I had to do that. I had to call my insurance. I had to send that back. That was part of my certificate of occupancy. Anyways, then once all that's done, then you can be open for business. And then hopefully you have some free print <laughs> in there so you can save some money and right. be open for business. This so it's quite a process. Yeah. And I didn't even, I feel like I missed some of things. But. So it's about a year total for you. Yeah. Starting to look. I got my very first bid for my contractors New Year's Eve last year. Oh, wow. So we just opened this week. So it took two weeks less than a year. Yeah. To very first bid. Because even for that, I was like, can anyone come out on New Year's Eve? I'm ready to put an <laughs> LOI in. I need to know what you're going to charge me. And it was, I had to meet them all in the morning. It was like half day sure, for most sure. of them. So. Wow, that's quite the process. We'll have to like figure out how to like put this in yeah. text form so people can read yeah, over it. Well, yeah, it, was a lot. it is a lot, but it's helpful for people. So yeah. hopefully they find uh, help in that and guidance from you for yeah. sharing your story. So thanks for that. And then obviously if people have questions, I'm sure they know where to find you. Uh, now Bronze Collective. Bronze Collective. On Instagram, right? Yeah. Um, Stephanie's willing to help, but also you, probably at some point they need to consult with experts because you know as much as you know you're still going to probably yeah. lead to them to that so find people find a good uh, commercial real estate agent find some people to be on your team i think you led with like 
like a caring sense of like, hey, I, I need your help. Can you help me? Yeah. Where a lot of people come in like attacking these people that are working. Thousand percent, yeah. I believe that. Yeah, you gotta leave it. Be nice to the people. Yeah. They'll be nice back to you. So. Yeah. Even one guy was like, "You've helped me so much. Can I send you a Starbucks <laughs> gift card?" He was like, "Well, we can't accept gifts, but you can send donuts to our office." <laughs> And I'm like, I'll send you yeah. donuts. And I literally was like, I will text you or email you a Starbucks gift card right now. Like he spent so much time on the phone and he was actually a big help throughout the process. And he remembered me from that time just by uh, saying, can I buy you a coffee? I'm, I don't even know what you look like, but yeah. I'll, you know, you can yeah. email these gift cards. Yeah. Like whatever I have to do to be able to get my business open. And a lot of times I just explain to the people, this is my livelihood. Like mm -hmm. I need to be open. I have a wait list of appointments. We need to be open. Yeah. And I don't want to be caught paying double rent here. Yeah. yeah a lot of people, some people are nicer than others. So yeah, there are definitely people at the city that you never hear from and will sure. never answer your call. But if you show up with some donuts, maybe they <laughs> maybe will. work. Yeah. Awesome. Well, if anybody has questions, they yeah. can reach out to you on yeah. Instagram, yeah. Instagram, your website, anything like that. I appreciate the time yeah. and uh, we'll look forward to doing a, a, a fourth one at yeah. some point. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. Take care, everybody. Happy tanning. Bye. How long was that? My back's hurting. I feel like I still missed some stuff.